Welcome to another amazing episode of the Path to Podcast Success with your host, audience building and fear crushing podcast expert, Evan Bradley Johnson. Every single week, Evan has powerful conversations with successful entrepreneurs and business owners, revealing the podcast strategies they use to grow their subscribers and sales, and how you can use your podcast to finally get to that next level. Now, turn on your mic and let's start down the path to podcast success. Okay, welcome everyone to another very exciting episode of Path to Podcast Success. I have a guest here with me today that I am very excited to welcome to the show. I think this is going to be a fun episode. We have a fellow podcaster with us today and an entrepreneur as always. And so I think there's going to be some really cool insights in this one. Karanda Adair, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. <laughs> so I like to start off in the same place with all my guests, and that is by making sure that everyone listening is on the same page and they have the context that they need to get the most that they can out of this conversation. So for those people, go ahead and tell us, what is it that you do? Awesome. So at this point, what we do, my company is Carvel Digital, and we create automated systems for mission-driven service-based business owners. And the automation centers around three different things. We do marketing automation, sales automation, and onboarding automation. So we usually pick a project in one of those areas to start with, whatever's the biggest pain point for the client, and we dive into that. And so we do that. Our primary tool for that is ActiveCampaign. So we use that as our marketing automation platform, CRM, and then of course, no software is an island. So we integrate with the, the other things that we need to integrate with to make those things happen. Um, so that's where I am today. And that's after 10 years in business, starting as a WordPress developer, making $500 website. <laughs> okay. And so why this? Well, when I started my business, I did it you know, one, because I'm I'm not a bad employee, but I knew I didn't want to work for somebody for the rest of my life. And so I literally, I was working a job as a project manager and I had a meeting with a developer and I thought, oh, that guy probably makes more money than I do. And he's like free to work wherever he wants. And it just seemed more like more freedom. So I literally went back to my desk and I started looking up, how do you become a developer? Because I, I knew nothing. And so I went back to school. I started at community college and ended up at a four-year um, school. And so I got my degree in um, web design and interactive media. And then I went to work for the company that I had been interning for. And that was my one talk tech job. And uh, I got fired from that tech job, quote unquote, for a culture fit. Um, so for those of you listening who can't see me, I'm a black woman and um, I'm also a lesbian and I live in Portland, Oregon. So it's pretty white here. And so, and he was famous for firing people. So I was like, oh, my turn has come. So I just took that as a sign and I started my business. And then um, I really wanted to help people. Like it wasn't just the, you know, I can't stand working for the man. It was like, I want to make an impact. And those $500 websites, as you might imagine, did not make a really much of an impact on the business owners. And so I gradually just started um, studying and getting 
getting, you know, mentors and joining masterminds and, and just learning about marketing because that's really it's why you have a website. It's a marketing tool. And I think for a long time, a lot of people who hired me to make the website thought that the website alone was going to solve their marketing problem, but it's really just an asset that's part of your marketing. And when I was trying to kind of explain this to my clients, some of them uh, accepted it, some of them didn't. And I just got really frustrated with that. And so at the end of 2018, I just I stopped making websites altogether. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm not going to fight with you all on this. I'm just going to take it away. And then I started a coaching program. I started a coaching offer called Content Bootcamp. And in the Content Bootcamp, I just taught business owners how to use content to sell their services. Um, I think we've all met somebody at like an event or a meetup or something, and you think, wow, they're amazing. And then you go and you look at their website or their online presence, and you're like, whoa, that does not match the person that I met. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, mostly about content and being able to show up online, whether that be text or audio or video, um, to be able to show up online the same way you show up in person so that that content can attract people to your brand so that then you can create more sales. And I think that's especially important for service-based business owners because we suffer from lack of time all the time. Like more clients equals for most of us more time serving those clients. And so then, you know, something has to keep your marketing going. And so if you have content that you know works, then you can start to automate that content, put it in front of everybody who comes into your world. I love that. I love uh, the fact that uh, just how relatable that is because I can only imagine some of those nightmare clients like, um, you made a website and now my marketing isn't completely fixed. What the hell? What do you mean? Right? How is a, what is a website going to do? I mean, that's, yeah, there's uh, if you're in a service-based business, it's the, the inevitable uh, problem of like clients just want you to do everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean they're gonna want yeah. you to do everything. If you do, you know, websites like, oh, just, well, can you do like you know some social media posting too? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do everything? Mm-hmm. And so then there, of course. And I want to say something to like. The people, yeah. somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to be in that sort of earlier stage where people mm. are like, oh, can you do this? Oh, yeah, we can do it. I mean, I still do it sometimes. Um, and the way to get out of that is to find people who are really, really good at like whatever the next thing that your client is going to need, right? And you find those partners that you could say, you know what? We don't do that because we're really focused on being the best at this thing. But let me introduce you to so-and-so and they're going to take care of you. And that's how you get out of trying to do everything, which crushes your business and your soul, right? But still being seen as like really a really valuable partner to your clients because they're like, oh, wow, you hooked me up with this person and they were amazing. And then when they need you again, they're going to come back to you because, you know, you were the one that helped them out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I love that. And I love and appreciate the actionable advice that that is because that is exactly one way to counter that for a lot of people who are kind of afraid of saying no then, well, there's something you can do, right? You can have someone you can refer your clients to for those different aspects of what you can't do. But I think there is still something to be said in the scale, honestly, of saying no, right? Everybody came up to that at some point because everyone has gone through that stage, right, where the client asks for this and that. And it's like, well, you can charge a little bit more. So it's kind of hard to say no, right? You want to just say yes to everything (laughs) because, oh, God, what if I lose the client? Oh, this, that, the other thing. But there comes a point where you have to 
learn to say no. So is that something you experienced as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, saying yes has gotten me into just so much trouble in the past. <laughs> so it's definitely a skill. And um, yeah, and it's not always you you can't always refer people like sometimes if it's really a nightmare client, like it's like, no. And then they ask me a referral and I'm like, eh, there's nobody I really want to inflict you on. So nope, sorry, I don't have any, <laughs> you know, like, because my, my referral network is also important to me and I have a good reputation for sending like good clients to people. So um, it goes both ways. And yeah, it just... I think, you know, people who are still caught up in that one, you know, it's just like learning to set boundaries, but it's also learning that all money is not good money. And you saying yes to that is probably blocking you from something else that was in your, in your zone of genius, that would have been more money and less headache, like more ease. And, and, you know, you want to, you want to stay in your zone of genius and do the things that you're really good at. Like, I really like automation. And I sent an email last week and it was like, I don't love automation because I like technology, although I do. I love automation because I love people. And people, we're like tired and we're burnt out and we're <laughs> overwhelmed. And like, if you can pass off some of the things that are taking up space in your brain to the robots and let them just do it repetitively over and over again, like they are built to do, like that just frees up your brain space and your actual time and your team's time. And like, that's actually what I love about it. Yes, exactly. And that's, it's not just saying no. There's a lot of other things that a person can do, right? I mean, there's like what you said before with referrals and then there's automation, right? Which is incredibly important and like what you're talking about. And it's true. There's it all comes down to, to fear again, right? It's a fear of saying no and about missing out on that opportunity. There's also a big fear in, in I feel like, automation and outsourcing because mm -hmm. it's hard to let go, right? A lot of entrepreneurs as well, they really do kind of wear the, the word busy as almost like a badge of honor. Totally. And, you know, you automate all that busy work, then, you know, well, you're not going to be working 12 do? hours a day. And then, like, oh, God, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, people's people's identities get caught up in like you know booked and busy, right? Like this thing, which is not and and then you talk to you know really successful business owners who have like peace. Like I was just listening to um, become a part time millionaire is a podcast I'm listening to from Kirsten Roldan, and she's like, you know teaching people how to have peace in their business, but also make a lot of money, and you have to adjust your identity right to being to to not feeling like oh in order to make money i have to work hard and there's a lot of that mentality especially in you know our culture us culture um and you have to decouple yourself from that in order to be like oh you know what i can hire these people and i can pay them well and i can let them do a good job and it's okay for me to you know scale the number of naps <laughs> that I take. Um, so yeah, it's really, there's just, there's so much mindset work in business. I always say business is a personal growth, uh, personal growth program. And the more you grow, the more you earn. Yeah. That, that is an incredible and accurate way to look at it. And I very, very much agree. It's, it's the kind of hustle culture we have here is it can be very damaging and hard work is important. You have to put in an effort to to grow anything, but it really comes down to, I mean, you know, work smarter, not harder, right? Everybody's heard that. Mm -hmm. Working hard work doesn't have to mean working 12 hours a day. Hard work just means 
when you are working, like you have to put in focused, like good work to grow the business. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. hard work might be hard mindset work, right? Mindset work yeah. can be incredibly difficult, right? You have to change your mindset in order to become the person to reach your next level. And I think people think of hard work as like, you know, physical labor or you're at your yeah. computer hunched over 12 hours a day. Hard work might be like some of the hardest work that I do is actually like letting go of things and letting my team take them over. <laughs> Like, yeah, right. because I'm so accustomed and it's, 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 it's really hard because not only can I do the things, but I like doing a lot of the things. So then it's extra hard to like, it's not that I don't trust my team. They're amazing. Um, and so that's some of the hard work is like, oh, you have to learn to work in a different way. Um, some of the hard work is making investments that are kind of scary. Like I've had, you know, many a sales call where people show up, maybe they're referred to me and they're like, oh, yep, they'll listen to, you know, some podcast episodes. They'll go binge YouTube, whatever. They'll be like, yep, love what you're doing here. Totally need it. You know, and then I'll be like, great, let's go. And then the subject of price comes up or investment and they're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, you know, and then all of a sudden, like everything's off the table. And like I've had, I've been on the other side of those sales calls where I'm like, oh, I really want this and I really need this and I can't afford it. And what I do is I say, okay, how am I going to fund this? And I think what a lot of people do is they say, well, I can't afford that. And then they kind of go back to their DIY or whatever, like whatever it is. And it's like, if you just start asking yourself, how am I going to fund this and go and, and figure that out. Like ask your brain a different question. Like that can be the hard work. Um, so there's all, there's all sorts of hard things and it doesn't always look like, you know, hustle and grind. <laughs> yes, exactly. There, there is a lot of work involved and a lot of hard work, but it's like people really only think of hard work as, as hustling and grinding or working a, a lot. Right. And that's, it's interesting to see. And I had, I had another podcast guest once, who was talking about how he made he went from zero to a million dollars in a year, right? But of course, what he shared, what a lot of other people don't share, is like, yeah, but the thing is, I worked like twelve hours a day, seven days a week for an entire year to do this, because he had the classic reason, you know, oh, you know, lost the job, has a family to support, so we kind of had to do it. But like, he was very open about that, like, yeah, that's what I did. I don't know if I'd like necessarily recommend that for everyone to do, but like. A lot of people just kind of default to working that insanely hard and and yeah okay maybe maybe if you put in those hours you might get to that first million dollars or whatever a little bit faster i mean he did go from zero to a million dollars in a year but like at what cost you know that's for me mm -hmm. it's just yeah, not worth the it. health costs the mental cost yeah. and and you know there's also the the concept of seasons right like you might work hard you might be in a launch and so you're working really hard your team's working really hard for like the two to three weeks or the six weeks where you're prepping and then doing the launch and then post-launch you know and then that's the end of that season so then you take it back a notch right so yeah all sorts of paradigms i think apply to that yeah yes exactly so when you decided to quit the the kind of website making and move more to this what you're doing right now uh what was your biggest fear and did that fear end up coming true 
Um, I wasn't really afraid. I was so fed up at that point. I had like that one last client from hell that kind of broke me and I was like, okay, I'm not doing this. So I wasn't really yeah, afraid. Right. I probably, maybe I should have been. Hey, because, <laughs> you know, I think most people when they, I've pivoted a few times in my business now, I'm, in, I'm kind of at the tail end of a pivot right now. And the thing about a pivot is most people do it kind of a slow slow fade, right? Like a, like a DJ, a skilled DJ doing like a record fade. And mine was just like record scratch. Like literally 2018 ended and I was like, I'm not doing this this anymore. I'm doing this. And I had those first few clients come on. And so it wasn't really fear, but the struggle for me was the clients that I got right away, I probably got like four or five clients in the first you know couple months. And we were doing really amazing work and they were getting really amazing results. It was just like financially, it, it wasn't enough to sustain my business and my life at that time. So financially, it was the hardest year that um, I've had, one of the hardest years that I've had in my business. Um, but it just, it set the stage for everything that we're doing now. So yeah, I wasn't afraid of the struggle, but there was definitely a struggle. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. But you know, I, it, it's funny, I've, I've I've been in a similar position where it's like, I probably should have been afraid. You know, there should have been some fear there, but it's like, oh, it's fine. It worked out okay. You know, we're okay. I mean, I think that's typical of entrepreneurs it's like we dive headfirst into the thing and you know it's not it's not for the weak and i think the more oh, you no. challenge yourself the the stronger your muscle gets of like okay i'm just gonna decide and then i'm gonna go do the thing and you know like the only way you lose really is if you quit so <laughs> the yes. more stubborn you are the better <laughs> that is kind of a necessary requirement to be an entrepreneur is it was a little bit of stubbornness so yes um i know that you are a fellow podcaster i would love to hear yes. a little bit about that at what point did the podcast come into into the picture yeah so i started my podcast i think it was the fall of 2021 and i just you know i have friends who uh, like who have podcasts. I have friends who are podcast producers. Um, and I just was like, it's time. Like I've always been a fan of content. Obviously I ran a whole content bootcamp and that was just one area where I hadn't delved into. And I really didn't want to do it until I could afford to have a producer and just basically show up to the mic and hand it off and say, like everything's done. And I think um, if you can afford to, I think it's a great way to start off because you really have to protect your energy. Like you should really be spending your time like thinking, coming up with ideas, strategizing, selling, like all those kinds of things. Um, and so, um, so that's the way I wanted to start it. So I got together with um, one of my uh, colleagues from our certified automation service provider community who, and she was a podcast producer and she did all the things like she came up with the cover art and then, you know, she gave me like music to pick from and like all the things. So, um, my podcast is called begin as you mean to go on. So that's, it's kind of the way I started is kind of like, uh, on theme. Right. And, um, I started because I just I wanted that extra medium of people to be in because it's so intimate, like people you're right there in people's ears while they're walking their dog or, you know, exercising or doing whatever. And it just creates a really intimate relationship. And I think um, it's different from, you know, being on YouTube, which is another thing that we're focusing on like in this season um but i just think it's more accessible so you can put it on you can do what you're going to do you can be gardening or whatever um and you can be influencing people while they're doing that um and so i was really excited to start that so uh, we have at this point four seasons i think it's 49 episodes um 
and most of them are original. I think there's like six to 12 um, bonus episodes. That's like past content that we, you know, brought in. And I love it because it's such an amazing asset. Like I have a reputation for dropping links on people. Um, I have a tool called, I call the um, pot of gold content marketing database. And it's an Airtable database that we store literally all of our content in. And so people will say something to me like, oh, I just want to outsource my copywriting and I'll go, oh, I have a, a video that I made about that, you know, the dangers of outsourcing too soon. And I can find those like in seconds. And so now I have all the, all our podcast episodes as assets that I can say, um, you know, whatever. In fact, I just saw like a Facebook post and it was like, um, she wanted information about buying a domain name and web hosting and stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, episode 14, here you go. 20 minutes in, you know, <laughs> like, so it's just, it's such a great asset. That is incredible. And that's, I, I love seeing unique ways people are using podcasts as a way to support the business, right? Because a lot of people don't really see the value in podcasting quite as much as you or I might. If a lot of people, it's just like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, it kind of establishes them as an expert in the marketplace, which is very important and no one can deny the, the value there, but but there's never too much more beyond that. Not a lot, not a lot in the world of, they don't expect a lot of clients to come from it or anything like that. And, and so it's great to see that you've been able to, to create this value around the podcast you know, having it actually support your business and, and do good work. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to know what you're going into it for, right? Because there's all kinds of podcasts. There's entertainment podcasts. There's, you oh, know, yeah. just true crime. There's there's all kinds. And if you have a business and you're looking at podcasting as, you know, something to support your business, then you need to have a strategy. I talk about this all the time. Strategy first. And doesn't matter what it is, if it's podcasting or email or whatever, right? You got to have a strategy that is, how is this podcast going to actually support your business? How is it going to be a sales tool for your business? And my friend, Angie, who's a brilliant podcast strategists, you know, lucky enough to hang out with her and Voxer all the time and, you know, just follow her online. And she's always talking podcast strategy and, and how to actually sell in your podcast. So like my podcast has commercials in it for my own stuff. And yeah, it's valuable. But also I'm going to tell you about these offers because some of you are going to go like, oh yeah, that's cool. And I don't want to do it on my own. So I want some more help. Yes, I love it. That is incredible. And I, again, I just want to highlight that I, I really love hearing about the value you've gotten from podcasting because a lot of entrepreneurs out there are hesitant. And yeah, okay, maybe I might be a little bit biased, but that's why I love to showcase other stories of podcasters like yourself. So people can see like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm biased, but like podcasting is incredibly valuable and we're beginning to really see that in the marketplace today. So, so I love seeing that. Sure. There's something else too about having, I, I think a lot of people are really burning out on social media, if not already burnt to a crisp, you know, like trying to show up every day, trying to beat the algorithms, trying to, you know, spend on ads so they can get in front of people. And it's like, you've got to, uh, this is my opinion, but you've got to pick a long form content style or type, you know, whether that's blogging or whether it's YouTube, you know, something that is searchable, something that can answer people's questions, some way that you can show up in, to, in the marketplace that is evergreen and then use that asset and, you know, seed the pieces of that out into your social media and your LinkedIn and your whatever, like that's how you're going to prevent 
being exhausted by your marketing strategy is you've got to flip it. A lot of people are like social first, social first. And it's like, no, flip that around, you know, podcast first, YouTube first, blog first, you know, get people onto your email list and put like, put your best content in front of those people who are on your email list. And I think that that's why people are exhausted. And it's so hard, speaking of hard things, right? It's so hard to move away from the dopamine hit of like, ooh, um, let's see how many likes I get to take the time to say like, no, I am, I'm going to hire a producer. I'm going to take the time to strategize. I'm going to plan these episodes. You know, I'm going to wait for my cover art to come back and I'm going to come and talk into that mic. And then we're going to put this stuff out into the world because it's a long game. And I think as a culture, we're just, everything's the now, 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 now. And you have to, at some point when you really want to scale, you have to take a step back and you have to start creating those assets that are going to keep working for you long-term. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, the importance of that kind of foresight and planning. And it reminds me of something I heard once it really resonated with me. And it's like, I want something like people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in five, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of what you're talking about. It's like, you need to take a step back, slow down and play the long game. You know what I mean? Instead of that instant gratification that our, our monkey brains have been kind of wired to want as of late. You totally. know? Yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Karanda, we don't I don't even think... have to wait to watch TV shows anymore. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm 51. Like, I had to wait. I'm like, oh, I got to wait for Thursday night for Grey's Anatomy to come on or whatever, you know? And it's like, now it's just like, nope, it's everything's right there. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible for us. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I will say we're, we're getting back now some shows. Some shows that I enjoy are, com- are weekly. So I do have to wait. So it really forces my monkey brain to, to like, to slow things down a little bit, which is nice. You yeah, know, it's yeah. nice. Yeah. I read a book. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. What? Who would have yeah. thought? I know. Oh gosh. In today's day and age, reading a book. I appreciate that. I, I love, I, I read constantly. So I'm, I'm with you there. I love it. Yeah. I got um, away from it, but my mom was a librarian. So I grew up just reading like all the time, just constantly. That is amazing. Yeah. I love yeah, that. I'm get, getting back to paper books. We in Portland, we have one of the largest independent bookstores in the world. Pals. It's like takes up the whole block. It's three stories. So I just bought a bunch from there, and I'm I'm getting into them. Yeah. Damn. I guess I'm gonna have to make another trip out to Portland and check that. Oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah. You definitely have to hit that up next time. <laughs> Karanda, I think we could probably talk about all of this for hours, but I want to make sure I am respecting your time and the time of our listeners. So first, I want to ask for anyone listening who is interested in you and in the work that you're doing, where can they find out more about you online? Absolutely. So you can go to carveldigital.com. That's K-A-R-V-E-L, like Marvel with a K. And um, we're Carvel Digital on um almost all the social media platforms. I've been hanging out on Instagram stories a lot lately. So come chat with me over there and I'm trying to get more into LinkedIn. So um, I'll give you all those links. Um, But yeah, come on over and, and, you know, you can find the podcast on the website if you want to go take a listen to that. So. All right, there we go. That's amazing. I love it. I'm going to have that linked up in the show notes and I encourage everyone listening, check that out in more detail. But for now, Karanda, thank you again very much for coming on the podcast, giving us an incredible insight into you and your work and and, and sharing, you know, all the things about you with us. So I, I just, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode and for supporting the Path to Podcast Success Show. 
If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review, letting us know what you think of the show so we can bring you the most value we can from these expert podcasters. Your support helps us reach more people looking to step up their podcast game so that they can continue to grow their brand and spread their message. So again, thank you for listening to this episode of The Path to Podcast Success, and we'll see you in the next episode.